You are listening to Mindfully Well with Mel, episode number 67. Hey friends, welcome to Mindfully Well with Mel. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a registered nurse, certified functional nutritionist, and life coach who empowers busy women to attain the life they love and to feel well inside and out. This podcast dives deep into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of what it looks like to live mindfully well. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. I'm going to talk to you today about very simple, doable ways to begin balancing your hormones. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming thing. It can actually be small lifestyle habits that you start to implement into your day-to-day routine, and you'll start to notice that you feel better. And it's not this big, huge to-do. It's not a perfection thing that it must be perfect and implemented in an XYZ way. It is honestly just small changes to your day-to-day routines that can make the biggest change. It's not about going in and finding 12 supplements to start taking. It's not about doing a 12-step morning routine or making sure you meditate an hour a day, right? We don't have time for that. So what are the things that you actually do have time for? Because I want to talk about that this week. There are definitely some things. Before we get into that, we are right in the middle of the bootable challenge, but it's not too late to get started. I will put the link to sign up in the show notes and you can go ahead and get started on the bootable challenge right now. Um, you will get, you'll still get daily emails so make sure to check your inbox for that. And it's a great way to start implementing the things I'm going to talk about today. And coming soon is the Livo project. The Livo project is an eight week live course that I will teach you what you need to know about blood sugar stability, which impacts your hormonal balance, and also stress management, which also impacts your hormonal balance. I'm going to teach you very doable things in this eight-week live course that are going to get you feeling better. You're going to have better energy. You're going to have better balance and overall just feel fantastic. If you are looking forward to joining the next round of Mindfully Well, your best place to start is the Live All Project. This program also prepares you for Mindfully Well. It's not mandatory at this point. I do foresee it being mandatory at some point um, because it's that good and it's that necessary. And when you join Mindfully Well, you're already primed and ready to go. You get better results. You get faster results in Mindfully Well when you do the Live Well Project first. So I highly encourage you to join that. And if you want to join Mindfully Well in the future, you will get a discount for being in the Live Well Project because I know that you're primed and ready. I reward you for that. So Join the Level Project. It will be open on March 4, so we still have a couple weeks, but I'm gonna put the link for the waitlist in the show notes as well so that you are one of the first to be notified that enrollment is open. All right, so let's talk about what we can start implementing in our day-to-day to optimize hormones. The first thing is food, right? Our body has to have raw material to make hormones. If we don't give our body enough of the right kinds of foods, enough of the right kinds of vitamins and nutrients, 
it doesn't have what it actually needs to create hormones. So we need to have a diet that is full of foods, very rich in vitamins and minerals and quality macronutrients. You get this from whole foods. It's not hard. Really, if you shop the perimeter of the grocery store, you stick to the produce section, you get your animal-based protein, you maybe do some full-fat dairy, maybe you go to the frozen section to get some frozen vegetables, but the rest, the, the majority of your diet, really, this is what it should be. When you do this, you are putting quality things in your body, you're putting raw material into your body that your body can make hormones with. It's that simple. Please stick to a whole food diet the majority of the time, the far majority of the time. And I know we can get off track with this, but it is so easy to get back on track. Buy whole foods. Stop buying crap and putting it in your house and expecting you not to eat it, right? You might like walk past a new potato chip flavor and you're like, oh, I just want to try it. Well, no friend, we know that you're not just going to try it. We know you're going to try it. It's going to taste good. And then you're going to say, well, I got to get these out of the house. I'm just going to eat them all right now. So I don't have to deal with it anymore. Right? How many times have you had that conversation with yourself? I'm just going to buy some Valentine candy and we'll just have a couple pieces and then I'll throw it away. Well, that's not true. You're going to tell yourself you need to finish it all and then you're going to finish it all and then you're going to feel guilty. And now you've had so much more processed food in your diet or your kid brings home Valentine's candy as well, right? And then you try to hide it, but every time you walk past the cabinet, you grab a piece and it's just this continuing cycle. If you are the primary grocery shopper in your house, you have got to start taking authority and responsibility on what foods you allow in. Um, I myself am, am really focusing on this right now in my house. I posted a video on Instagram last week that my husband brought in Pringles because he went ice fishing for like four days and he will always come home with the leftover junk food and he puts it on the counter. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and put that in our, in our pantry. And so when he's not looking, I just throw it in the garbage. He doesn't even notice. But the thing is that I know I could even hide it in the pantry, but at some point my kids are going to find it and they are going to overconsume it, right? They're going to eat it all because these foods are created for overconsumption. These foods are created to give you signals over and over again that you should continue to eat more. They don't provide satiety. So of course you're going to overconsume them. And I don't want my family overconsuming Pringles. I know that they are not actually like made of food. Like there's a little bit of potato in there. The rest of it is things that are not meant to go into our body and we're putting it in our body and then not understanding why we don't feel good. And so if you are the grocery shopper, I want you to start taking authority over what you allow in your house and why you're buying things, expecting yourself not to eat them. You're going to eat them. They're there. They're marketed to you to eat them, right? That's why the packages are like a pretty pink color or a blue color or orange. Notice that the colors of these processed foods and packages are the colors of natural fruit, right? Our brains are wired to seek colors in foods. Why? Because of phytonutrients. Phytonutrients are what our bodies need. That is the raw material on which we create hormones and in which we create energy. 
But now food companies have taken the colors of fruits and put them on packages, which our brain recognizes as, ooh, interesting. Oh, I need that. I bet that tastes good, right? And so then we buy them. And of course, all of that happens. It tastes good. It feels good. Um, And then we just end up to stay in this constant cycle of eating processed foods. And we also have, let's be honest, we've normalized it in our society. We go everywhere. There's processed foods. And that's why I don't really teach intuitive eating on itself because I don't believe in our day and age, we can really be intuitive eaters. I do think that there's special people out there who can and who are just really good at regulating, right? Their bodies are just natural regulators. Um, I would say my oldest is a really good regulator. The child never overeats. He has become more sugar inclined in his teens, but as a child, he really did a good job of not over consuming sugar. Um, Just behaviorally, he's just been that way. Right. And so I just think it's like, it's him. He is just inclined to be able to say no and no one no is enough. I am not that way. And the rest of my family is not that way. I can, I can say that for certain, especially my youngest. So our world is just not created for intuitive eating anymore. If we were out there hunting our food and picking berries and growing our, all of our own food, of course we would be intuitive eaters, right? Because we'd only be eating whole foods and we wouldn't be on a blood sugar roller coaster all day long. And we wouldn't be wired for dopamine through food. We wouldn't be seeking a lot of that dopamine. And we also have accurate fullness and hunger hormones because we're eating whole food and whole food gives us accurate hunger and fullness cues. And so when that happens, we can be an intuitive eater, but we are exposed to far too many processed foods. And even if you're like me and the majority of your diet is whole foods, I mean, like I eat 95% whole foods when I'm in my routine at home. But let's be honest, I have to leave my home sometimes. I've created a really great lifestyle for myself where I don't have to leave home very often. It's great for me. I've never been happier. Um, But there are times when I leave. I, I do love to travel. I sometimes will go out for coffee. I sometimes will meet my friends for dinner and an alcoholic drink, right? So then in those instances... I am not having a whole food diet and it only takes that one time for me to now be exposed and now I'm craving different foods and now my gut is off and now X, Y, Z, right? So we know that it's just the tiniest amount of exposure, which we are all exposed to that does not really allow for us to be intuitive anymore. And that's why I teach mindful eating because we all have a mind. So we may as well just use it to our advantage. When you use your mind to decide what you're eating, you will choose things that are best for you. And that's what I teach in Mindfully Well. And I also teach this in the Live Well Project. So a whole food diet full of vitamins and minerals. And you're going to get this from a lot of vegetables. And so shop that produce section. And I want you to start choosing vegetables that are a different color than what you are typically used to. So this means that if you normally buy sweet potatoes, buy purple sweet potatoes, Um, buy maybe carrots, buy cabbage that's purple, 
um, get different colored greens. A lot of times we just get into a routine of grabbing the big thing of spinach because it's $3.99 at Costco. Um, grab the mixed greens because the mixed greens has different shades of green. It also has some reds and some purples in there. And then also where are your reds and your blues? Get blueberries, get reds from strawberries, get reds from raspberries. Berries are a fantastic way to get phytonutrients into your diet because they are loaded full of polyphenols and those are antioxidants and those will help reduce inflammation. Which brings me to my next topic, which is a lower inflammatory diet as well. Um, this goes into consuming more processed foods again, but I want to explain why processed foods are inflammatory. The reason why is because they are made with hydrogenated oils or omega-6. Our bodies only have so many omega receptors and you've probably heard of omega-3. Omega-3 is known as anti-inflammatory. Omega-6 is known as pro-inflammatory. But we only have so many omega receptors. So when we consume a diet high in omega-6s from those hydrogenated oils or those inflammatory oils, if you're wondering specifically what I'm talking about, I'm talking about canola oil, vegetable oils, uh, partially hydrogenated oils, any sort of trans fat, margarines. These are all going to be in highly processed foods because that's how they keep those foods shelf stable. So look at the box or the jar or whatever you are buying and see what kind of oil is in there. The only kind of oil you really should be consuming is olive oil and avocado oil and coconut oil. Like if it says oil, those are the three that are usually good to go. Outside of that, it starts to get a little sketchy. And most likely, those will be oils that are high in omega-6s. So then you're going to take up all of your omega receptors with omega-6. And then that leaves no room for omega-3s. They will complete, compete for the same space. And then if you don't have room for omega-3s, guess what? Now you have a pro-inflammatory system and not a low inflammatory system. And inflammation is going to impact your ability to create and detox hormones. Inflammation is going to impact so many different systems in your body, but in today's topic specifically, it's going to impact your hormonal balance. Like we have to reduce your inflammation. And so we want to remember that those oils are in so much food. And the way you stop consuming them is by cooking at home the majority of your meals and sticking to just avocado, olive, or coconut oils when you're cooking or you're baking. Okay, so what else can we do to create hormonal balance? Blood sugar stability. I'm not going to stop talking about this. And yes, I'm going to continue to tell you this every single week for probably until I die. And that's because we have to start with blood sugar stability before we can think about balancing our hormones because you can't actually balance your hormones without stable blood sugar. It's a fact. And so many times we try to go in, we try to lose weight and we find out we can't lose weight because our hormones are imbalanced. And then we find out our hormones are imbalanced because our blood sugar is all over the place. And so you have to go in and you have to start making sure that your meals are really balanced. You're also not skipping meals or going hours and hours and hours without eating. You're also not having prolonged fasting and you're not skipping breakfast and you're not having coffee without food in the morning. So blood sugar stability just is you making sure that your carbohydrates 
the foods that will raise your blood sugar. It has more sugar content. It has more carbohydrate content. This will be things like your fruits and your pastas, your breads, your legumes, your muffins, your cookies, anything that's going to be quote unquote, a carbohydrate that you would normally think of. Um, you want to balance that with your protein, your fat, and your fiber. That's it. That's how blood sugar stability happens. It's just avoiding naked starchy carbohydrates. That's it. But so often we have naked starchy carbohydrates because we're trying to cut calories. So we're like, I'll just cut out all my fat in this meal. I'll take out the cheese or I'll take out the oil or I'm not going to have the guacamole. And that is one of those things that is actually going to hurt you versus help you. Because you're cutting calories, but you're cutting nutrients and you're cutting the nutrient that is needed to balance the blood sugar. So think about how you've been wired to lose weight is maybe hurting you. It's maybe hurting your ability to lose weight because your blood sugar isn't balanced. You have to have blood sugar stability in order to have hormonal balance and then in order to lose weight. It has to happen in that way. And that's why in all of my programs, all of my coaching, Live Well Project, Mindfully Well, We always start with blood sugar stability. We start with food stress because I can't go into the deeper stuff with you until we start working on that and get that straightened out. You also going into, you know, your history with dieting is that you've chronically been under eating. And when you're constantly cutting your calories, you're constantly not eating enough nutrients. And remember back to the beginning, you have to have nutrients in order to create hormones. You have to have that raw material to create hormones. If you're also always in a calorie deficit, this is going to affect your thyroid. It's going to affect your hormones, but it's also going to affect something that you are very familiar with, which is your metabolism. You know that if your metabolism is low, it's going to be really hard to lose weight. It's going to be really hard to feel energized. It's going to feel really hard to do just normal day-to-day things if your metabolism is low, right? Because your body is trying desperately to conserve energy. All of the things that I teach you, in this podcast, in my programs, whenever I'm talking to you, I'm always talking to you about energy creation. Energy creation is the number one thing you always need to be focused on, no matter what your goal is, no matter what it is, no matter if it's hormonal balance, no matter if we're going to fix your gut, no matter if we're going to manage your stress, no matter if we're going to lose weight, we have to focus on energy creation. When that happens, everything else happens much easier. So if you have a low metabolism and you're trying desperately to conserve energy, it's going to be very difficult to lose weight. And this is because of your chronic under eating the, it it can be chronic under eating. So under eating for a long period of time, but then also overeating and then under eating and then overeating and then under eating, right? So you diet, 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 and you become exhausted and then you overeat and then you go into a big calorie deficit again, right? You're just sending the signal over and over again. Like we have lots of food, make sure to store it because pretty soon we're going to have no food. And then you have lots of food, make sure and store it because then pretty soon we're going to have no food, right? You're sending that signal to your body over and over again. So now you're going to have a low metabolism and you're going to have your body on high alert. We must store all this body fat because I don't know when she's going to, she's going to feed us again. Okay. And speaking of safety, right? Your body needs to know that you are safe with the amount of food that you're eating day in and day out. It's consistent, right? Um, when your body doesn't feel that way, right? When you are constantly yo-yoing up and down, up and down, or you're just always down, you're always trying to eat less. Your body is soon going to be like, whoa, this is not okay. Things are not good here. And so it's going to shut off ovulation or it's going to skip 
ovulation and in order to protect a the human race, right? We can't be creating humans in highly stressful environments. That would not be good for us. So you're not going to ovulate. And when you don't ovulate, you end up with low progesterone. And low progesterone, you'll end up with high estrogen, right? When one is low, the other is high and vice versa. And what this feels like is the classic intense PMS, really uncomfortable perimenopausal symptoms. And so I don't want you to forget that even though fertility isn't on the forefront of your mind and maybe you're done having babies or you don't want babies, whatever it is, you still need to ovulate in order to have hormonal balance. This is one of the reasons why perimenopause gets pretty um, hairy, shall I call it, because you will skip ovulation, right? That's a normal that's a normal change, that's a normal ebb and flow of perimenopause. But before you reach that point, we want to make sure that you are ovulating as consistently as possible. There will inherently be a few cycles, you know, within, I, I think more than two a year is excessive. I think as many as we can, the cycles of ovulation is best because when you ovulate, then you have hormonal balance because the ovulation is where you actually create progesterone. And if you're not creating progesterone, your progesterone is going to be very low. And when your progesterone is low, your estrogen is high. And this is when things will start to feel really yucky. This is when PMS gets really intense. It's when headaches are there. It's when you start to have acne. It's when you're gaining weight and you can't lose weight. It all like flows into this vicious cycle because you weren't ovulating. And you weren't ovulating because of stress, right? So your perception of psychological stress in your life, like life is really heavy right now. There's a lot on your plate. You're not managing it well. Also food stress, which is what we're talking about mostly today. And I talked a lot about last week. And it's the the diet that does not support hormonal balance. Why doesn't it support hormonal balance, right? What's the effect of that? Not ovulating in order to protect you and to protect an unborn child or the possibility of a child. We don't want to be creating humans in an environment that you can't take care of them. And if you are sending the signal to your body that I can't take care of humans because I can't take care of myself, you certainly are not going to ovulate. And then you're going to end up with hormonal imbalance. So you've got to do the work on making sure that you ovulate. One of these things that impacts ovulation that is just the elephant in the room is that it's birth control. Now, if you are using birth control for purposes of family planning, do that. That you you need to do something, right? When it comes to family planning, there's not a whole lot of options out there other than abstaining or asking your husband to wear a condom, which is an option. And then also, um, if you are done having children, there's the option of a vasectomy. And that's my favorite form of birth control, if I'm going to be honest. But this is your decision. This is your choice. You get to decide. However, if you're using birth control methods to mask hormonal symptoms, you are doing yourself zero favors. You are just perpetuating your problem. You're postponing dealing with your problem because you're not going to live with this birth control until you die. There's going to be a point when you're going to need to get off the birth control and then you're going to have the issues again and you might have more issues than what you started with because it doesn't come without side effects. Even if you maybe feel better right now, it's just, it's just masking what's going on underneath. It's like an iceberg, right? 
It might look fine and dandy right now. There's a whole shit ton of things underneath that ocean floor or that ocean, the the water, (laughs) the water of the ocean where the iceberg is underneath uh, going on. And you're going to have to deal with it at some point. So birth control, always your thing. You decide, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to give you the information so you can make an informed choice. There are other choices out there besides birth control. If your hormones are imbalanced and getting you to ovulate can sometimes be the little kick in the metabolic butt that your body needs. There's something to be said about ovulating every month and creating hormonal balance and then seeing weight loss. It does happen. Um, So just tuck that in the back of your mind. We know it's there. Okay. Um, Next on the list of things that you should be doing to that are very doable for you to create hormonal balance is building muscle. Muscle is um, the, the driver of insulin sensitivity. Insulin is the hormone that is created when we have sugar in our bloodstream. We have to have insulin, right? We're not aiming to have no insulin. But we want to have insulin sensitivity. And what that means is that when we eat sugar, our insulin is released. It moves the sugar into the cell to be used for energy. And then we're done. Bada bing, bada boom. However, that's not always the case. Because when we have too much sugar in our bloodstream for too long of time, because we're over consuming sugars, then we have too much insulin. And at some point, your body will just stop creating enough insulin for all of that sugar. And that is what we call insulin resistance. So we want to increase the sensitivity of insulin. One of the best ways to do this is by building muscle because your muscles are like sponges for sugar. You can actually not even have to use insulin when you are using your muscle or when you're building muscle for like during your exercise, the food that you ate around that exercise doesn't even need insulin. It just goes straight to the muscle and it's absorbed there. And so When we have muscle in our body, we are naturally more insulin sensitive and our blood sugars are going to be nice and stable. So putting muscle on your body is not to just look good because you will look better, right? You will be more toned. You may have less body fat because with more muscle, your metabolism will be higher. You will naturally burn um, at a higher rate with muscle on your body. Um, And it's not to just lose weight, right? It's so that we have a body that moves really well. And it it takes us through our life doing what we want to do and not being in a recliner knitting newborn hats because that's all we're capable of doing at that point. We want to be able to move our body. I just did this exercise with my Mindfully Well clients. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Because if we are here to just have a better pant size, we're going to be really disappointed because it's not an actually an, an, a different pant size that you want. You want something different from your life. And so what is that? And so we got really deep on the purpose of losing weight or gaining energy or managing your stress or balancing your hormones so that you can feel better. And the reason always came to, I want to live my life in a way that I get to move my body for the rest of my life. I don't want to be sitting in a chair. I want to get on the floor with my grandkids and I want to play with them. I want to travel with my family. I want to hike. I want to be outside. I really want to enjoy my life. And and to enjoy my life, I need to be able to move my body. And if that is you, and I'm assuming it is because most of us aren't looking forward to a sedentary life, it's you got to move your body now. You have to do the work now. And I don't mean running miles after miles. That activity is great cardiovascularly, 
to a certain point, but beyond that, you're not getting better cardiovascularly. You are just breaking down your body. Now, if you love to run, that's great. You can run, but you need to be lifting weights on the other side of that. You need to build a better body. You need to build a metabolically healthy body. You need to build a moving body. You do that with muscle. You do that with lifting heavy weights. And you've heard me say this time and time again, and I'm not going to stop on this one either. I am going to drive it home. You have to lift the heavy weights. You have to put muscle on your body. Muscle is actually an endocrine organ because when you contract your muscle, your muscle will release mitokines. And it will release it throughout your whole body. And these myokines are actually anti-inflammatory. So by using the muscle, building muscle, you are creating an anti-inflammatory process in your body by what you already create inside of your body. You don't have to go out and buy a supplement. You don't have to take a pill. You don't have to call your doctor and ask for a prescription. Your body is an actual pharmacy that creates chemicals that are for your well-being. You have access to be able to create that. It's so simple, and yet you make it so hard. I'm just telling you to go lift some weights and build some muscle on that body. Right? That's something you can totally do. You can do that. It's medicine. It's natural medicine that you get to take. Right? With no side effects. The only side effect is good. More energy. You feel great. Right? Use those things to your advantage. The other thing that's a natural medicine is going outside and going for a walk, right? Like moving your body in a way that you get to use your like caloric burn, right? So you get to burn calories while you're walking. Now, I'm not going to go into a calorie game here, but it's something, right? Okay, so we're moving our body, but we're moving our body in a way that's not stressful, right? Walking is not a stress stressor on our body unless we are just very new out of a surgery or we just had a baby or things like that, right? Then that puts in a dis- different perspective. But for us day to day, walking is not a stressor. But any other workout, even if it's weightlifting, even if it's um, like a, a, yo- a hot yoga strength, very stressful on your body, Um, Pilates is also stress. Um, Any sort of workout is going to be stressed on your body besides walking. Walking is a way you get to move your body without it being a stressor. So, um, and then going outside and then exposing yourself to sunlight, that is a natural way to be able to balance your hormones. It's so easy. It's so easy. Although this time of year, we've had, it's, what is it? It's February 7 that I'm recording this. Not a normal winter the last few weeks, but like I said last week, we're in fake spring, it's coming again, and there's going to be weeks when you don't want to go outside because it's cold and it's rainy or it's wet and it's snowing or the wind is blowing or who knows what. But as much as you can, get your body outside, get your eyes exposed to that sunlight and just walk. You know you feel better after an outside walk. Why don't you do it more? Do it. Do it more. This is hormonal creation. This is hormonal balance. The other thing I want to say about exercise is that there is a point when too much is not a good thing anymore. Exercise is good, right? We want to lift weights. We want to put muscle in our body. But there is something to be said about too much exercise, and it will impact hormones in a negative way. Too much exercise will 
do the opposite. It will start to break down your body because it can become very stressful. And when you are breaking down your body, you're going to stop creating hormones. And then you're going to be low on hormones and you're going to be very tired and very sluggish and definitely not ovulating. Okay. So you're not going to have the balance and you're not going to be creating it. And so it's just like a double whammy. So how do you know if you are exercising too much? ask yourself a few questions around recovery. Are you recovering well? So that means that when you get up to do your workout, does it feel great? Are you able to continue to increase the intensity of the workout? That means the amount of weight you're lifting. That means the amount of sets you do. That means the um, decreasing the amount of rest that you have between sets. Not that you need to do all of those every single time, but are you challenging yourself in some way every single time and you're able to complete it, right? You should be able to get better. Are you sleeping well? If you're not sleeping well, that's a sign that your mind is looking for stress. Your body is looking for stress, even though your stress is in your workout and that may be a long ways away from where your sleep is. Your brain will be on high alert and it will not be able to fall into a nice deep sleep pattern and you have to recover in a nice deep sleep pattern. So not only are you not recovering and you're not sleeping, but your workout is too stressful, okay? And then are you too sore, right? Being sore for 24 or 48 hours is usually fairly normal. Um, Now sore is going to be on a a different uh, scale. If you've been doing these workouts for a while, you should not be incredibly sore. Your body should be fairly used to it. But if you're noticing that, God, I'm just so sore lately, you need some more time off. If you're new to the workout, you're going to be incredibly sore because your body's just not used to moving in that way. It should get better even after a few days, right? Even after like the second exercise that you do, you shouldn't be as sore as the first time. That is just normal recovery. Do you feel um, more on edge? That's another sign of of stress. And I want you to look at your workouts. Are your workouts not allowing you to recover properly? So asking yourself, you know, are you recovering? If you're not recovering, then you need to give yourself more time. There's no magic number on how many days a week you need to work out. The amount of days you need to work out really depends on where are you in your life, where are you at in your cycle, where are you at in the, the phase of life that you're in, right? Um, so remember that there's no concrete answer on how many days a week you should work out. So if there's no concrete answer and you're working out every day, then we know we need to back off, Right. The seven isn't the number for you. Six probably isn't the number. Might not even be five. So this is something that you need to play around with. And working out too hard too long is really going to impact your hormonal balance. And this is something I teach you in the Level Project. I teach you how to work out with your cycle. I teach you how to work out um, with uh, optimizing the weights in your cycle. So making sure you're getting strong at the right points in your cycle and um, that you are focusing on rest at the right points in your cycle so that you are making the most of your time and the most of your energy and the most of your ability. Because the truth is we can't give 100% at every phase in our cycle as women. We just can't. Um, Well, we can give 100%, but our 100% looks different at every phase in our cycle. So that's something to remember. Okay, so lastly, when it comes to things that you can be doing, just simple things at home for hormonal balance, is detoxing your hormones. So detoxification happens in your liver and your kidneys and also your gut because your gut is going to be in charge of your pooping. Your poop contains the toxins that your body needs to get rid of. And I have even said this before. It's been a while, but I've said it. And there's a lot of people who continue to say it, that your liver does a great job at detoxing. You don't need to detox. You have an organ for that. Your kidneys know what they're doing. 
But the truth is like that was true a hundred years ago. We don't live in that world anymore, right? We are exposed to so many toxins. We are exposed to so many herbicides and pesticides and Roundup and um, xenoestrogens with everything we touch. And our environment is not great. Our, you know, going outside and just breathing air sometimes is questionable. Our water sources are sometimes questionable. And the foods we eat, right? If I go right back into the processed diet um, rant, then we just get into another area of toxins. So could our liver and our kidneys need some more support? I think that they could, yeah. And that is another topic for another day because that's a whole podcast episode. But I'm going to, instead of telling you like what to do to detox, because I'm not saying go out and buy a detox kit. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about supporting your liver and supporting the process of detoxification. I'm never talking about eliminating foods or eating a whole bunch of some supplement that makes you like poop your brains out. That's not a detox that you need. The detox you need actually has to have nutrients in it because your body can't detox without nutrients. Your body actually can't even detox without protein. It needs amino acids to be able to do that. So um, this is probably not something that I would just throw into a podcast. This is something that I would have, I do it with my clients to be honest. So we just have to support our liver and our kidneys. We have to think about that, okay? But what can you do on your side of the things at home to support detoxification? The number one thing would be to prevent all the toxins from getting in your body. And one of the ways that you can do this is to reduce your exposure to toxins. Specifically, the first one is um, xenoestrogens, which are in so many things that we're exposed to, especially as females. Um, It's in all of our... um, our skincare products, our lotions, our shampoos, our makeup, all the things that we put on our body usually have xenoestrogens in them. Um, Also plastic. Plastic is the number one way that you can honestly just do today and stop using so much plastic, stop storing your food in plastic, stop drinking out of plastic. Anywhere you can reduce plastic exposure, you should do that. So like the your meal prep containers should be glass. Avoid the plastic ones. And even if you do have to store it in plastic, don't heat it up in the plastic because the food and the plastic melt in together and you're just eating plastic at that point, right? So take away plastic as much as you can. And then also thinking about like your coffees. So like going to Starbucks and drinking from that plastic container or that plastic lid. I am notorious for this. I always forget to take my lid off, but um, bring your own container to Starbucks for one. It's greater for, it's better for your hormones. It's also better for the environment. I live not far from a landfill, you guys. And the amount of plastic that is in there is, is just disgusting. So do the world a favor and start bringing your own cup to Starbucks. The only thing that sucks about that is that you have to walk in. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you have to walk in. You can't do the drive-thru. Um, but if you do get a coffee at Starbucks or wherever and they have the plastic lid on it, take the plastic lid off and drink it that way because the hot coffee on that plastic lid, you're drinking plastic again. The other thing is they always have their um, cold drinks in plastic cups. Or if you're buying a bottle of water, try to find a box water or stainless steel water. They're making more of those now. Um, So just reducing as much as you can food in plastic. And then um, your receipts. 
don't take a receipt if you don't have to. Those receipts are full of BPA and BPA is a big xenoestrogen. And so we want to eliminate that. And luckily now we are getting into a, a phase where they ask us if we want our receipt and we just say, no, no, thank you. Um, so try not to touch them as much as you can. And then the big one, you guys, is fragrances. I am just going to throw some tough love out there. Like we are in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s. You have got to stop with the Glade plugins, Bath and Body Works, um, perfume, any laundry detergent that smells, cleaning products with fragrances, anything that you look at it, if it says fragrance on it, or it smells like chemicals, once you get used to, to not smelling fragrance, when you do smell fragrance, you can't even like handle it anymore. You just got to stop. I mean, it's, it is not helping you. It is one of the biggest endocrine disruptors there are out there. And it just needs to, it needs to go away. It, and it's for a reason that's not even necessary. Like we don't need it. It's not necessary. Um, you don't need your laundry detergent to smell like flowers. You just need your clothes to be clean. Um, cleaning products, right? They don't need to smell like oranges. They just need to, it. You, and you don't even need to have, like, I've heard people say, but I like the clean smell. The clean smell is a chemical smell. That's not clean. Clean actually doesn't have a smell. Clean does not smell. Clean doesn't smell dirty. It just doesn't have a smell. Okay. So stop smelling all the fragrances. You have got to stop putting it on your body. You've got to stop putting it in your house. You've got to stop putting it on your laundry. You've got to stop putting it on your dishes, on your countertop where you eat off of, right? So some brands I like when it comes to um, some cleaner products for um, skincare, whatnot, um, Beauty Counter, I think that's pretty good. Um, Crunchy, I've heard that's pretty good. Um, for the um, cleaning products, I like Norwex. And I also make my own with just vinegar and water. And then if I do want something to smell good, I always use quality essential oils because they are just made from plants. I like Young Living or doTERRA. These are good quality brands where we know that that oil is legit and it can actually be helpful for a lot of things. And so you can use that to clean. So I'll use um, like two part, like, I don't even know. I don't measure it. I use vinegar and I use water. I put them in a spray bottle and then I add some essential oil drops <laughs> and that's all I do. Um, but it's definitely more water than it is vinegar because my family complains about the smell of vinegar. However, you just got to clean up, clean up your environment as much as you can with, um, the exposure to xenoestrogens and toxins. That's your number one way to balance or to help your body detox hormones. It's just not give it so much crap to have to do because when it's detoxing toxins from your environment, guess what it's not doing? It's not detoxing your hormones and the detoxification of your hormones happens in your liver and your poop. And if that's not happening because your body's busy detoxing crap from your environment and alcohol, then it's definitely going to put hormonal detoxification on the back burner because those aren't an immediate threat right now. The other things are, so it's always going to prioritize that. And then lastly, for how to just basically support your own hormonal balance, remember that it's always a top-down process. Your hormonal balance starts in your brain and your brain is where you perceive stress. So 
you must work on your stress responses. You must work on your stress management. You must really get into the nitty gritty of being able to like get a hold of, not even get a hold of it, but just start create more awareness around your stress. Get rid of what you don't need in your life anymore. Bring in more of what you do need. And join me in the Livewell Project because this is exactly what we do. I help you manage your stress, not only in the food form, but also the psychological form. We also talk about the environmental form so that your hormones are balanced so that you can feel great in your body. And it's going to be a fantastic eight weeks together. It's the perfect time to do it and spring before the summer arrives. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So make sure and head to the link in my show notes to sign up for the wait list for the Live Well Project. We open on March 4 and we get started on March 11. All right, my friends, you have a fantastic week. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mindfully Well with Mel. If you're ready to take practical steps to live a more mindful and healthy life, I encourage you to follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa underscore Ike, where I share tips to help women just like you become healthier, lose unwanted weight, and feel well without the extremes and overwhelm. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to continue to create content you love. Finally, please note that the material in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended as a replacement for medical advice. Thanks for listening.